Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. My next guest is a successful person. Uh, he's a native of Oakland, California. That's home of Black Panther. <laughs> uh, name of the company is Maven, a California-based Hair extension company that partners with stylists who serve as the sales force for the hair extension their clients buy. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation the CEO and founder of Maven, Deshaun Emira. Hello, and uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Cool. I really do. You're in California, and uh, do you mind telling me uh, what your educational background, your little history before we start talking about you becoming a CEO and a founder? um, Yeah. I was born and raised in Oakland. Um, I went to high school there. After high school, I went to um, Hampton University. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an alum of uh, uh, HBCU. So is my executive Proud producer. Alum. She's a Hampton grad. So happy. She's cheering in the background, sir. So All right. Let's go. <laughs> HU all day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I got really interested in, um, you know, I, I, I wanted to travel when I got to college or I've always just sort of wanted to, I've been curious about the world. So, um, you know, sophomore year I traveled, I went to Japan for, for six months. I studied abroad there, ended up doing the same thing again the next year in Spain. Um, when I, after I graduated, I moved to China. Um, and then, and I, we can get into, you know, what I was doing over there later, but then education wise, I ended up going back to school. I did an MBA at Georgia state in Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, in between 2008 and 2010. So now when you went to yeah. those different places, did you, uh, you experienced the culture? Did you uh, learn the language? Uh, I did. I was in China for, um, a year and a half straight. And then for the next several years, I would be going back in China, back and forth to China, probably every, every couple, two to three months I was going back and forth to China um, and so I learned a great deal of Mandarin at the time. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's worn off a little bit since then, but, um, <laughs> I still can, I still, I still can get around. Oh, good, good. Tell me this. What, what, yeah. you know, I always like to explore new opportunities. That's a new opportunity from a social and a lifestyle standpoint. What, what, if, what did you learn from that experience? Because you know, that when we go out and travel, you know, you are an African-American male 
And so there yeah. are perceptions about us of yeah. in different parts of the country. I know I've experienced that. So were there yeah. any perceptions that you had to overcome, you had to deal with in your travels? Um, there were definitely, definitely a lot of, you know, perceptions that people had or misconceptions. I mean, in China at the time, and I, I got there in 2003, mm-hmm. um, there was hardly, I, was, I went to this city called Shenzhen, mm-hmm. which is now like a super popping city. Um, you know, at the time there was about 4 million people there. Now I think there's like 15 million people. So just in the past, you know, 10 years, it's, it's, uh, it's grown quite a bit, but there was hardly any foreigners there at mm-hmm. all, mm-hmm. Um, let alone had they ever seen any any black people, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know. So, uh, you know, I had students where, you know, I, I taught English there for a little while, and students mm-hmm. would run up to me and they would try to touch my, my skin and mm-hmm. see if it rubbed off, mm-hmm. you know, and they mm-hmm. called me Mr. Chakali, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had people there who just straight up didn't believe that I came from America because they're from what they understood of the world and they don't they didn't get a lot of the they don't get a lot of the, the, the media and the images that everybody else gets. America is white people. Right. And right. America is the land of white people and blonde hair and blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and so they just didn't even believe that mm-hmm. there were black people there. Mm-hmm. Um, let alone all of the intricacies of, of like, you know, the history of African Americans in, in America. So um you know, people tended to think I was either from, you know, Africa or, absolutely, you know, or, or India or something mm-hmm. like that. And then mm-hmm. they had certain, you know, they had certain perceptions mm-hmm. um, of, of those countries. Right, right, um, right. Which weren't always so good. Right. Right. Well, so, they, 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 um, they think America is the land of the white, then you, you also yeah. have to think that, they, that, they, that was a backwards view of Africa, you know, of, uh, a of, very of, backwards view of uh, ignorance, slavery, uh, poverty, exactly. uh, uh, violence. You know, uh, exactly. Uh, uh, need to be uh, uh, also there. I'm sure they're aware of the slave slavery too. So, yeah. so all those negative yeah. things dominated your presence. So you are you yeah. are a torchbearer. Um. Yeah. I mean, it was it was. Um. You know, de- it definitely felt very you know pioneering to be out there. There was hardly, as I said, hardly any other foreigners. There was you know, there was about three or four other black people that I met when I was out there, you know, in a city of 4 million people. And we all sort of banded together. And how do you find those and, three, uh, of, those two or three other? How did you find them now? Well, <laughs> you know, there would be certain places in the city where only, you know, only like foreigners would go to these bars you right, know, right. or mm-hmm. restaurants or whatever mm-hmm. where foreigners would convene you mm-hmm. know, so they could, you know, um, and, you know, they would just be, a random black person in there, and they, we would just <laughs> automatically connect and be like, "Hey, yeah, you go. Bruh, what you are you go. doing here? Bruh, how did you get here? How did you get here? You know." So, um, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy, but it was, um, it, you know, it ended up being one of the most transformative um, and informative uh, periods of my life. You know, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about what I was capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I learned a lot about, you know, it put into context where I came from, the country that I came from, um, and what was going on outside of America, you know, and that America wasn't the center of the world. Um, and, uh, and I grew tremendously from that. And it became, you know, China just became sort of the platform from which uh, uh, all of my, my business and entrepreneurial endeavors kind of sprang from. Mm-hmm. 
So in other words, you created relationships there. That's what you're saying? I made amazing relationships there. Um, you know, and and also learned how to navigate um sourcing products. Uh, you know, so I went to hundreds of factories, um, figured out, you know, the the first thing I started importing from China, because uh, I just wanted to make some money, were like sneakers. And so I saw they had sneakers out there, and I started buying them and sending them back home. And through that process, learned all about, you know, shipping from, from China and freight forwarding and customs and tariffs and uh, and all that. And learned how to negotiate with, with the Chinese and mm-hmm. um, how to find different factories and source different products and figure out, you know, quality control and who to trust, who not to trust. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an incredible, it was an incredible um, educational experience. And plus, for me. you knew the language as well. Well, I learned it as I went, mm-hmm. you know, like I just, um, you know, I decided I wanted to make some money while I was over there. Mm-hmm. I seen these shoes. I said, I'm going to start trying to sell these shoes. Mm-hmm. So I just had to start learning how to say shoes in Chinese <laughs> <laughs> and how much, you know what I mean? And so I literally, I just had to teach myself mm-hmm. based on what it was that I wanted to say. Right. And I just would, I would point at stuff mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then I would say, how do you say, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll be surprised how fast you can learn um, the basics of a new language. Um, or, or I should say, you sh- you'd be surprised how much you can really communicate with people if you just know a few phrases. And also if you make an phrases. effort. Also if you make an effort. So, so and if you make an effort, yeah, people really appreciate that as well. So now you, you're setting the basis. Now, here's the interesting thing about it, because we're going to get to the company that you launched here in uh, California, mm-hmm. uh, Maven. Was this where you was headed? Because you was over there teaching English, and then you started, like I said, becoming that entrepreneurial side started popping up, seeing opportunities yeah. to business. You started learning learning certain key terminologies so you can negotiate yeah. or communicate. So we mm-hmm. get back to the states. What did you when you return back and say I'm gonna stay over here permanently? What did you What did you immediately go? Was it Oakland? Um, no, I actually went to Miami, um, and I just. Honestly, I I was I was in China for a year and a half straight. Mm-hmm. I think I had got to the point where I was like, I need to get the hell out of China. I'm, t- I'm I, I can't I can't do this anymore. You right. know, like it had just got uh, it had just got all the way to that point. I loved it for a while, and then it became like I just became super homesick, and I wanted to go somewhere beautiful. Well, you chose uh, Miami. China the right place not, now. You know, China's not the the like you know, or mm-hmm. Shenzhen. I should say is not you know, it's not the most beautiful environment to be mm-hmm. in. You know, mm-hmm. it's manufacturing, it's it's crowded, full of people, it's polluted. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of beautiful things in, in that country. I don't want anybody to, you know, take that out of context. But um, Shenzhen is just, it's a, it's a crazy and hectic metropolis. And I wanted to go somewhere beautiful. I knew some people down in Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, I had started to develop some, some contacts in China around importing furniture. Right. It was the housing um, bubble was like in full gear and everybody was building and buying condos in Miami. And I said, I'm going to go to Miami. I'm going to import a couple containers of furniture and I'm going to start selling furniture. <laughs> um, 
in in Miami. And and that's you, literally man. that was just literally how I was thinking. You know, it's just I want to go somewhere nice. Well, you went somewhere nice now. You went somewhere like Deshaun. You went somewhere nice now. Ah, you in Miami, two thousand. Yeah, you went someplace nice now. That's that's the beauty capital of the world down there, brother. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Just beautiful. Just pretty I'm, things I'm just walking Miami around. Right now. Just pretty things just walking around. Just walking around. Going to Burger King. Oh, you're so pretty. Oh, you're so yeah, pretty. Just walk exactly. to the corner. Oh, you're so pretty. Yeah. Walk down on the beach. Oh, you're so pretty. Oh, it's so much better than China. But I, when we come back, we're talking about man. <laughs> he's uh he's he's one of the he's the CEO. And he's the founder of Maven, a California-based hair extension company. We'll be right back with my man, Deshaun. Uh, I love talking to him. I just wanted to make sure that we understood his roots before we start talking about the roots that he's using to make a lot of money with hair extensions. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald. We're having a very great conversation with the CEO and founder of Maven. He's on the phone talking about his, uh, his past, his roots, which I think is important when people try to understand how people are successful. It's not people don't pop up and be successful. They develop uh, traits that they pick up along the way. They develop relationships they pick up along the way. And then you turn around and you look into your past. I always tell people, if you want to find out your future, look into your past and you understand why you can be successful. Because it's the roots that you just established in your 20s that really will set the stage of what you're going to make economically in your financial life in your 40s and your 50s. A lot of people look Absolutely. always looking ahead. They're always looking ahead and go, what am I going to do? Just look backwards. It's all been yeah. established like that because what happens, Deshaun, is that a lot of people – they, they, they start shifting. They get married. They have kids. They move, yeah. move away. And so those dreams kind of, that those original dreams kind of go away. And so you, have, yeah. so you have just done that in yourself. And so to launch this company, was it an idea that you created by yourself or you brought in other people mm-hmm. to help you, to motivate you and financially support you? So I, um, I, the way that I ended up in, in the world of, hair extensions and hairstylists and salons. Um, you know, I had this, I had this incredible background in supply chain and importing stuff from, from China. And, and by this time, and this is about around 2012 mm-hmm. or so after I had finished grad school, got my MBA, I was sort of just trying to figure out what mm-hmm. I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that I wanted to start a company. I knew I wanted to build a company that was going to be large and impactful um, I had the I had the notion that I wanted to raise venture capital to do it. I wanted to be a a venture capital scale business, but I didn't know exactly what it was yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took sort of just like some odd end jobs so that I didn't have to take a, a like a corporate nine to five, which would just like suck all my time and my my brain space, you know, away from me. And so I, I literally just. I had an MBA and spoke Chinese and I just started like valeting cars because I could just do it for a few hours, make some money. And then I could just go to Starbucks and be on my computer researching stuff mm-hmm. all day. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I just tried different things. Um, and then someone in my family who's a hairstylist asked me if I could help her get some hair extensions from China. Oh, okay. And so I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I did. And in the process, I took the hair extensions to these hair salons and I said, can you, uh, and they, you know, and they said, I said, is this good quality? And they said, it's great. Can you get some more? <laughs> um, and so I said, yeah. You, you, how did you say, yeah, though? How did you say, yeah, Deshaun? Did you say huh? light bulb? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I can work this out. Yeah, this that can make this at happen. At the time, at the time, it was yeah, yeah. I could, yeah, I could do that. And the way I looked at it at that point was, I'm balancing cars. 
Mm-hmm. I can make more money just selling some of this hair to these hairstylists right now. Right. Mm-hmm. So I ended up just like selling hair out the trunk of my car to these hairstylists mm-hmm. um, all through Oakland. Mm-hmm. And as I was doing that, the light bulb started to get brighter and brighter and brighter. And then I saw something much bigger than, and then really than just hair extensions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what I had been taught to see through all these, you know, all the years of like importing from China and, you know, going to B school, B school, I had been trained to see how products were distributed. Right. And, and that was the part that was the light bulb for me because what I saw was, okay, we're buying, you know, $6 billion of hair extensions, $9 billion of just, beauty products in general, you know, as in the African-American community. However, all these salons that I'm going into to sell these products, they don't, they're not selling products in, in there. They're not selling the hair extensions in the salon. They're not, they don't have a big old retail section in their salon, which you might see in some of the more mainstream, you know, city, you mm-hmm. know, salons. Mm-hmm. Um, and the main reason for that is because they just can't afford inventory or manage it. And so we have all the customers going outside of our, of our hair salons and outside of our community to buy all of our products. And so across the street from the hair salon, you have a beauty supply store that is um, owned by Koreans. Right. And Absolutely. that happens to be the case for, 85 to 90% of all of the, the beauty supply stores that cater to, to African-Americans across the country. Mm-hmm. Like in every black neighborhood, there's a Korean-owned beauty supply store. Mm-hmm. And we all know them. We've all been there. We all know what, what, what they look like. But the important thing, what I saw was that all those dollars were just flowing directly out of the community. Um, but, but conversely, what I saw was that these hairstylists, right, were incredibly powerful, but just lacked a certain tool. And they had, they have the expertise. They had the relationships with the customers. Um, they knew what they were talking about when it came, came to the hair and the customers trusted them. They were the natural point of sale for these products. They just didn't have the infrastructure for it. And so I said, if I can use technology to basically turn all of these hair salons into retail distribution points for these products, we can shift all the dollars, retail dollars to the salons and they can be selling it and making money from it. And we can create a really large business and own our own distribution. Dijon, was that, that a hard, was that a hard spin when you, was, when you approached the salons? Because you had to approach them one at a time or you got a group of them together to make this pitch? Um, it was one at a time to begin with. Mm-hmm. It was one at a time. I mean, I started with like three hairstylists. I had the idea and I said, okay, let me just sort of validate whether or not this could work or not. Right. You know, and I built, <clears throat> I'm not a technical guy. Like I don't make websites and stuff, but I, I pieced together this really janky, <laughs> you know, little, <laughs> you know, MVP, you know, call it like a, a minimum viable product. Right. And just something where I could test what the, you know, 
the premise was of the entire business, which is if I give a stylist this tool, a stylist can sell the, the product. Let me just test that. And then I'll figure out later, okay, how do I go get all the hairstylists? Um, but if I could just prove that, then maybe I can get somebody to fund me to go and get all the hairstylists. And so I did that, and I did that with, like, you know, three hairstylists, and then it was, like, five or six or seven. Um, and then I really started to say, you know what? I could turn this into a huge business, and I think we can build a billion-dollar enterprise um, by owning our own distribution and networking up, you know, all of our hair salons and our stylists to to, to participate in the, the retail economics of our of our beauty industry. Let me ask you this, this um, Sean. Uh, you know, we have four minutes left in this interview. I want to talk about. Oh uh, wow! Okay. You know, it was a great interview, by the way. I just want to make sure I don't miss some of the key points of why I brought you yeah, on. Yeah, sorry, I'm, also, I'm going on and on. No, no, you're not, because your story is important to have to be valid. You know, in other words, because okay. we're talking about your how you, who you are as a person, which is credibility. Yeah. Why you're able to sell this brand? How you're able to grow this brand? Because you yeah. you know the culture. You took the time yeah. to live the lifestyle. Now, through what I always tell people, opportunity. It's only there if you if you work hard to to understand seek out yeah. seek it out. How does how does this sales force work for you? And can other people around the country, or is it localized in the Oakland area? So um, so the hairstylists are we we've over the past five years we've grown to over fifty thousand hairstylists all over the country mm-hmm. who are dis- uh, stylists who are distributing uh, Maven products. Um, we actually this year just launched a very new and transformative service mm-hmm. um, leveraging our, our stylist network um, that essentially will cut the cost of getting your hair done or getting hair and getting your hair done in half for customers. So now you can, as a customer, you can come directly to Maven. You can buy hair directly from us. You can put in your zip code. Uh, the uh, hand-selected <clears throat> Maven stylist in your zip code will pop up. You can look at their pictures. You can look at their work, um, their stars and reviews. And wow. then if you choose any one of those stylists, Maven will pay for you to get your hair um, your hair installed. Okay, repeat that one more time. <laughs> <laughs> so if you buy hair from Maven, we will pay for you to get your hair installed with any one of our thousands of hairstylists who okay. are uh, across the country. Tell us that website, because I'm going I'm to just cut this little part out and put it on my uh, website. Okay. Okay. Awesome. On my website and uh, on social media. Now. It's maven, maven.com, M-A-Y-V-E-N-N.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you, so, um, and so this opportunity, you know, I'm going to tell you something, man. When I, when I listen to you, I, I hear Amway. Mm-hmm. I hear, you know, mm-hmm. Avon. Yeah. I hear Tupperware. Mm-hmm. I hear conferences. I hear the, you know, the pink Cadillac for the top yep. hair salesperson in the country. Yeah. You know, recognize. Mm-hmm. Is that the is that the next step for your brand? Um, no, I would say, you know, I say that has been, um, that's been the core of it mm-hmm. for a while. But what we've what we've decided to do is to continue to. Um, move more in the direction of creating a platform and a marketplace. So the, the more you see what we're, what we're building now, and specifically with this new product where customers can match themselves with any stylist in their area. That's awesome. And it will be half the price. You know, they, they don't even have to pay for their service. It just comes with the hair. It will start to look more like, you'd think more like Airbnb, right? Or think more like, like <laughs> Lyft or Uber. 
mm. for finding a hairstylist. Mm-hmm. We're going to make it super easy, and we're going to make it half the cost. Obviously, you this is not a, as you say, a janky website. You have modernized your abilities, and you've taken it to the next <laughs> level. Hey, Deshaun, man, I you got my cell number. Gave it to you off air. Uh, I live in Atlanta, live in Houston, Texas. Uh, please use it. Uh, you're a talented person. Your story is incredible. And I'm very seriously, I'm going to take that little clip, and we're going to uh, get some images of you, and we're going to put it on my Facebook. I almost got a million followers, Instagram and Twitter, and to promote your brand. And you keep winning, okay? That'll be amazing. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity to use your platform to, to spread the message and tell my story. I appreciate it. Your story is awesome. 